Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. In episode 13, we will take a look at the Christmas Day games and recap some of that action. We'll also take a look at my latest blog post as I offer some thoughts and some perspective on that. All that and more coming up next on Off the Glass Podcast. This is the Off the Glass Podcast, bringing you a fresh, intelligent, thought-provoking perspective. This is your host, Z. Thanks for joining me again today as we record episode 13. Thanks to all the people who have supported me on this journey, all my listeners. Again, make sure to subscribe, make sure to download. You can search me, find me on iTunes, search the Off the Glass Podcast. Follow me on, on Facebook at Zach Ramey. Also tweet me at ZJ at Off The Glass on Twitter. You can also find the podcast at my hosting site at Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Spreaker.com. And with all that being said, with no further ado, let's jump right into the Christmas Day games. My favorite time of year as a basketball fan, as we had a whole smorgasbord of games today. Um, I should say yesterday as I, I watched the games today, even though I had to work, I still was able to sneak in and watch some of the games and get some of the highlights. And uh, we're going to just jump right to the main event, which, of course, was Golden State versus Cleveland. Uh, rematch again of the finals with uh, Steph Curry being out. Uh, it was going to be interesting to see how Golden State, what they would do to, to kind of com- combat that. Um, they ended up winning the game actually 99 to 92. And there was a lot of takeaways from this game. Um, one was the the late game, non-call, controversial call. Was it a foul? Wasn't it a foul? And I believe LeBron did get fouled. And I agree with one of the guys on, on Facebook. You know, he stated that he felt that if LeBron was at home, he would have got the call. And that's probably true. But, you know, I always say that one play doesn't necessarily, in a lot of cases, determine outcomes. I mean, don't get me wrong, it does happen sometimes, but if you was watching that game down the stretch, it wasn't the foul call that that cost LeBron um, the game. It was the fact that they had several lapses on the defensive end and Golden State made plays and they didn't. You know, I stated that on Facebook that it wasn't uh, the foul call. It was the fact that on one play you had LeBron who was ball watching and uh, Draymond Green back cut him for a wide open layup. You also saw LeBron for for no apparent reason do a needless double team on David West and kicked it out to KD, giving up a wide open three. There was also a missed assignment by Kevin Love. It was a backdoor cut to the rookie Jordan Bell on a lob who dunked it. And then it was also Jordan Bell getting a rebound, keeping the ball alive. They swung it to Klay Thompson. He hit a wide open three. Now Cleveland on the other end, they kept trying to run the same play down the stretch and. It was very, very stagnant. They was trying to get LeBron in favorable matchups with the pick and roll, whether it was when Patrick McCall was on the court, they was trying to use him to do the pick and roll. I think he was guarding possibly J.R. Smith, and they was trying to force the switch to get him on him. 
or they was trying to uh, force a switch with, um, I want to say, uh, Crowder's guy one time. And even when they got the switch, it didn't work because all Golden State was doing was zoning up. Now I will say this, Cleveland did get one good look when Crowder was able to set the 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 weak side back screen and get Kevin Love a wide open three. And, you know, let's give some props to Kevin Love. He had a really, really strong game. He had 31 points, 18 rebounds. And, um, you know, it's interesting when you watch them play because it seems like, and I was talking with one of the guys on Facebook about this, like Ty, Tyron Lou, actually a couple guys said this. Um, shout out to uh, Rasheed said this and uh, Tay said this. It's like Tyron Lou just throws the playbook out the window when they play Golden State and they just start doing different things and get away from the things that got them on this last winning streak, the things that they do well. And, you know, one of the main takeaways besides that was the fact that how bad in a game like this they need a dynamic score like Isaiah Thomas. Oh, my gosh, they missed Kyrie Irving yesterday. Or, like I said, oh, Isaiah Thomas. The only reason I say Kyrie because Isaiah hasn't been healthy, but – in these tough, grinded-out games where the defense is at a whole nother level, uh, the defensive principles that Golden State run is very solid, very fundamentally sound. Like I said, they zone up, so it makes it hard for LeBron to try to get going downhill without trying to go through two or three people. And with that being said, if you're going to have J.R. Smith, Jose Calderon, Kyle Corver, Jeff Green, and Tristan Thompson, who's not a big-time scorer, but if they're all going to shoot a combined three for 22 – and you barely get 10 points from your bench, that's a problem. Like, they needed somebody else that was going to score the ball, and it was interesting when it was LeBron's time, he couldn't quite pull it off. I mean, he finished with 20 points, six rebounds, six assists. He was a, a negative plus minus. But like I said, if it was to me, I would have kept trying to go down um, to Kevin Love, who was obviously having a better game. And sometimes you have to do that um, in a game like this. You have to keep feeding the hot hand because – the one three pick and roll just wasn't working for Cleveland and was making them very stagnant. Also with Dwayne Wade being out there, he really didn't see the ball down the stretch too much. Again, it just became very stagnant. And I, and I say this even with uh, OKC, and we'll talk about them in just a second, but you know, it's something to be said when there's movement and the star player or the best player on the team can catch the ball on the move. It keeps the defense guessing. The defense can't zone you up and can't set up. That way you get better looks and um, at the basket and, and makes for easier open-type shots instead of these tough contested shots that they end up taking at the rim. With that being said, KD finished with 25 points, seven rebounds. Uh, Clay tripped in with 24. Draymond also had a triple-double as well. So was this a preview of the finals, yes or no? Um, I would say no because, again, Steph wasn't there. We still don't know what Cleveland's going to look like once Isaiah Thomas comes back. They said he's getting closer to that January deadline. He looks good. He's playing well. So um, well-fought game, good entertaining game, and actually all the games throughout the day was pretty entertaining, even the last game, the Timberwolves and Lakers. But the, the first game on the schedule was actually the 76ers visiting the New York Knicks, and the Sixers were able to win – one one hundred five to ninety eight, and Embiid had a strong game. He was actually at a plus minus of twenty, finishing with twenty five points, sixteen rebounds. Uh, Cantor was the leading scorer from the Knicks. He had a really strong game, both offensively and on the glass, finishing with thirty one points and twenty two rebounds for the Knicks. Beasley kind of cools off a little bit, kind of comes back to earth. Uh, he actually had a plus minus of negative ten, and Porzingis finishes with twenty two point seven rebounds. So. It was a closely contested game down the stretch. The 76ers were actually just able to make a few 
plays that put, you know, sealed a win. Um, ben Simmons had a steal that led to a dunk. Reddick hit a three. Uh, Covington played really well. Reddick actually finished with 24 points and six rebounds. So, you know, it was good to see the young 76ers actually get a, a win under their belt. You know, I was actually able to, to watch the young point guard from the Knicks, Frank Nicotila, and uh, I think he's going to be good. He's very solid. You can see the, the growing pains. I like his size. I like his upside. But a long road for him to go. He didn't have a solid game. I think his plus minus was actually minus 11 as well. So it just shows that when Embiid is on the court, the 76ers are a completely different team. And ultimately, it's going to come down to what kind of shooter that uh, Ben Simmons can turn into. Can he – you know, knock down a consistent jump shot. And I think he's destined to this summer if the people around him were smart to go ahead and make him a right-handed shooter and um, go ahead and get him working on a consistent jump shot because now they're just zoning up and really playing off of him. And, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt him in a way as far as his passing ability, but it also um, clogs the lanes and his driving ability. So, you know, as, as you go on in the season, teams are going to start to adjust and know your strengths and weaknesses. So, It'll behoove him this summer to really focus on getting that jump shot. Um, they still don't have Markel Fultz. At this point, if I was the 76ers, let him get healthy, let his mind get right, just work on his game, and have him ready to come back ready to play next season. And also, it's a, you know, a thing in progress watching him be, because he's still not quite in shape. But, man, is he skilled. I mean, he had a, a play in the second half when he caught the ball in the white right wing, right at the elbow, and he was able to face him up, put the ball – on the floor, and then he did like a little hesitation off the dribble, and then he was able to go right into a jump shot like a guard and knocked it down. Then he came back with some really nice footwork up and unders with the jump hook on the block. So, again, it's, it's going to be scary to see. I personally thought it would be good for the 76ers to, to get in the playoffs why it wouldn't hurt, but at them, I think every game, when they're able to win these close games, every day, every game that Embiid stays healthy, same thing with Simmons. Is nothing but a, a plus and a feather in their cap going forward. After the Golden State-Cleveland uh, game, it was actually the Rockets and the Thunder. And I'm not going in particular order, just kind of jumping around. And the Thunder was able to hold on 112 to 107. James Harden flirted with a triple-double, finished with 29 points, 8 rebounds, 14 assists. CP3 didn't play. He was out with an abductor injury. Westbrook was twenty had twenty four <coughs> had twenty four points, six rebounds, eleven assists. George had a very efficient game. Melo had an efficient game. George finished with twenty four. Melo had twenty, and that was kind of the key to this game. Westbrook again, I said coming into the season that Westbrook was going to have to be their leading scorer and primary um, threat offensively, and kind of let George be number two and Melo just get in where he fit in, and that's kind of where the game shook out. Yesterday, Melo was really playing well on the catch-and-shoot threes. He wasn't doing a lot of isolation. George was like 8 for 12 from the field. He had an extremely efficient game. And this is kind of what we expected from the Thunder, even though overall I wouldn't say it was a well-played game. I would say both teams was, was kind of sloppy a little bit, especially the Rockets, as it was reflecting a lot of them had negative plus-minuses, even though I want to say Ariza contributed like with 20. Eric Gordon had 24. Capella had like 17. So scoring-wise – the points was there, but really wasn't a sharp game uh, from the Rockets from what we've been seeing. And But it was also kind of encouraging to see the Thunder kind of win one of these games because these are the games they've been losing, these tough games where they kind of come out on fire. 
jump out to an early lead, and then kind of the team works their way back and they end up giving that lead away and losing at the end. So the execution, in my opinion, was much better because they were playing a lot faster. I didn't see Russell Westbrook with any race of motion or movement. He was just taking the ball, attacking, and doing what he had to do. So I don't know if the Thunder still are going to be a threat to the Rockets or even Golden State long term, but um, if they play like this, they'll probably shake themselves out and actually get to – you know, 50-plus wins and, and possibly, possibly um, make a run for the playoffs. But, again, this was probably one of the better games that i seen them play on yesterday. The other game of the day was the Boston Celtics versus the Washington Wizards. Washington was able to hold on and win. Um, John Wall, Bradley Beal, real solid games. Um the Celtics actually shot the three well because lately it seems like their success has been predicated on how well they shoot the three. So they actually shot the three well yesterday. But um, Horford did not have a strong game. He was, a, I want to say, a minus 20 in the plus-minus department. He didn't play well at all. Um, Bill finished with 25 points. Wall finished with 21. Oubre finished with 16. Morris had 14. And Otto Porter contributed 20. So... Uh, no surprise there because uh, they do not have a strong bench. Uh, Tatum had a strong game with 20 points. Kyrie finished with 20. Smart had 10. Rozier 16. And uh, Tice had 12 off the bench. Marcus Morris only had two. So um, Jalen Brown only had eight points. And I remember watching him, um, watching him struggle a little bit. He missed a lot of open shots early on. Um, excuse me, um, kind of a playoff for the East. You know, it was kind of a statement game, in my opinion, for the Wizards because everybody has been so high on, you know, Boston, and rightfully so because they came out with the fast start. But recently they kind of, you know, came back to earth a little bit, which was to be expected. Um, you don't lose a, an all-star like uh, Gordon Hayward and just think that you're going to just continue to play at a high level. Um, yeah, Jalen Brown, like I thought, yeah, he was 0 for 5 from 3. He missed a lot of open ones early on. Um, Horford, again, like I said, he was a minus 20. Baines was a minus 12. Kyrie was a minus 14. Jalen Brown was a minus 11. Even Tatum was a minus 8. So there's no no reason, no surprise there why they didn't win. And just looking at, uh, yeah, see, Marcus Morris for – for the Wizards was, I think it's Marcus. Yeah, Marcus Morris was seven, plus 17. Porter, plus 16. Wall, plus 15. Bill, plus 20. Gortat was even a plus six and contributed with 11 points, 10 rebounds. So Washington is definitely going to be there in the end. Um, Wall had missed some time, and it looks like he's starting to hit his stride a little bit, get his legs back underneath him. Um, it's interesting because I think him going out was actually good for the team because it gave Bradley Bill – some confidence to step up and really be that strong second option and in some cases even be that strong first option which bodes well for Washington going forward um, if we were to take a look at the standings uh, right now if I'm not mistaken uh, Toronto is leading the, the east now slowly but surely just kind of just just plugging away yeah they're 23 and 8 right now with a 12-1, they're very tough at home. I watched them play the other night. Like I said, if you haven't watched Toronto play, just watch them play. In the past, you know, they were very, you know, heavily predicated on whether it was the Rose and the Lowry um, killing second units teams. But this year, their starters have been great. 
Siakam has played well. Portal has played well. Um, Indiana's fourth now. Detroit's five. Washington's six. Milwaukee's seventh. New York is eighth now. So followed by Miami, which is tied with New York for that spot. So um, no surprises there. Your best teams are going to be, in my opinion, Cleveland, Toronto. I think it's going to be an Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Washington might be there, but I'll be surprised if if um, if they beat Toronto in a seven-game series for the West. Okay, Golden State is now one. Houston's two. <laughs> they're San Antonio just quietly just plugging away, 23-11, and 11, even though they're not really good on the road this year. They're 8-9. and nine. Minnesota is surprisingly fourth. OKC is above 500 now because they had, I want to say, a, f- a four or a five-game um, winning streak. Uh, let me look real quick. A five-game winning streak. They're actually eight and two now in the last ten, which bodes well for them. Um, uh, New Orleans is now rounding out the top eight. It's going to be a battle between. Look at the bottom of the West. I mean, Denver six at nine and ten. Portland seventh at nine and ten. New Orleans nine and twelve, which is just amazing to me how. They can have two of the best players in the NBA and their record is not better. It just shows you how important guard play is. I don't care how dominant of a big man you are. You still got to have a decent guard and have some good guard play to balance it out. And a great example of that historically was when the Lakers took off when Magic joined the team because before that, Kareem was was leading subpar teams, uh, middle-of-the-road teams. He's actually the only player in NBA history to um, win a league MVP on an under 500 team. So um, it's going to be a battle between Portland, New Orleans, and Utah for that last um, that last spot, even though Utah is 2-8 is and eight in their last five. New Orleans is 5-5. Five and five. Portland's 4-6. And, and it's just weird because Portland has played great defense, but their offense has struggled this year, they, which is weird for them. But it's a positive because, I mean, they have a positive point differential Golden State, of course, is leading that category as they're scoring 114. Their opponents is like 104, so they have a really good one. But if Chris Paul can stay healthy, you know, I don't think this is a hot take. I can't wait to see if that's going to be the Western Conference Finals. I was going into the season thinking, again, it was a far-gone conclusion that Golden State was just going to run their way to the finals. But Houston has, with Chris, the addition of Chris Paul and him fitting in seamlessly, and, yeah, that's 7-3 and three in their last 10 11 and they lost their last three and I want to say he missed two of the last three with his um ab adductor injury hopefully hopefully it's nothing injury nothing um long term nothing serious because I, I can't wait I'm gonna be excited to see those two go at it and it's kind of scary because Houston reminds me a lot of Golden State's um team that won the championship their first championship when nobody really expected them to do anything like that and of course James Harden is having a MVP type season so you know with that being said it's going to be interesting to see how all this shakes out um the last game was the nightcap between Minnesota and the Lakers very hard fought game Minnesota a very exciting team but at the end of the day uh Minnesota's a little too much talent for them Alonzo Ball didn't play he was out with a shoulder injury Minnesota's actually seven and three in their last ten with a four-game winning streak, and it's really been something to watch how the addition of Jimmy Butler has really turned his team around as far as them pulling out some of these close victories because they still haven't corrected their defensive um, problems with – and mainly I don't think they can. Uh, 
Coach Nick over at B-Ball Breakdown had a great breakdown on how Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins might be the worst uh, the, the defensive duo in the league, and he had a lot of film to kind of back it up. And a lot of it for them, Carl Towns especially, he's going to have to really sit and watch film and really dedicate himself to learning how to to move and play angles and be in the right position because his feet are not good feet. He's not quick laterally. He finds himself getting out of position, and he doesn't have that kind of athleticism to recover once he's out of position. Once he's out of position, he's dead. Andrew Wiggins, on the other hand, he has the athleticism, which is frustrating to watch. I just don't think he wants to be a good defender, and that could bowl as a problem for them um, long term. So, also, too, on a side note, I read that Shabazz Muhammad, you passed up $40 million over four years, bro? Like, what kind of player do you think you are? You and New, uh, New Orleans Noel must be smoking the same pack because he passed up a $75 million um, contract as well. But anyway, that was just a quick side note. I thought about that when I saw looking in here talking about Minnesota. But the addition of Jimmy Butler has definitely been a positive for them as they're currently 18-6, and as I stated before, fourth in the Western Conference. So that kind of brings a, a wrap on the Christmas Day games. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side of the break, we're going to discuss my latest blog post. All that and more as we return on the Off the Glass podcast. All right, welcome back to the Off the Glass podcast. And as I stated, I wanted to take this time to kind of really get into my latest um, blog post, which is something I'm very, very, a story I had been working on for probably about the last month and just trying to uh, get my facts together, uh, get a lot of information, kind of sort through the numbers. And I kind of wanted to really sit and write this and do this justice because this topic has been in the news again recently, um, and that's, of course, the discussion of should players be allowed to go straight from high school to the NBA as they try to go back to how it used to be and abolish this silly one-and-done rule. And you can go and look at the blog, check it out. It's on theofftheglasspodcast.com, and the title of it is, is simply From Boys to Men, The Proper Perspective of the Young Man Who Went from High School to the NBA. And I just kind of wanted to jump into this because for so many years we always hear about how uh, it was a failure, you know, it was ruining the league and it was ruining the young lives of so many uh, young men. And I just, off the top of my head, I was just thinking, like, this can't be true because every night, you know, you will see guys that's all over the league that came straight out of high school. And easily, of course, we can grab the names like the Kevin Garnett, the Kobe Bryant, the Tracy McGrady's, the LeBron James. Um, but some of the guys that's still playing that get lost is like an Amir Johnson, solid NBA career. A Lou Williams, second-round pick, still playing. Um, a Travis Outlaw, who played for many years until he had injury. A Martell Webster, a C.J. Miles is still playing and contributing up in Toronto as they're able to play small with him in different lineups, and he could be that pick-and-pop big. Excuse me, sip of my tea. Um, you know, it was somebody even like a Al Harrington that played close to 20 years and, um, you know, and I started looking at the numbers and and just realized that when you even include some of the busts, you know, and a guy that always gets brought up a lot is uh, a Corleone Young, somebody who only played 15 minutes over four games and had a short uh, NBA career as the poster child for this and how because his story was a, a sad and tragic story that 
we should do away with this rule. But since the uh, they were allowed to come in, I, I want to say it was a total of overall 45 uh, players that came straight from high school to the NBA. And that, of course, includes players like uh, the first guy to actually do it was Reggie Harding. It also includes uh, Daryl Dawkins. It also includes um, Moses Malone. But more recently, as I mentioned already, you know, you had Kevin Kevin Garnett, who was the first one to do it since Moses Malone. You had um, Kobe Bryant, of course, T-Mac. You had a slew of other, a lot of players, uh, people like a, a Darius Miles, a Eddie Curry, a Jonathan Benner, Kwame Brown. And these guys I put in the category of, even though they may not have lived up to their full potential, I don't call them busts. Most people call them busts. And maybe they were possibly busts on the court. But the idea of this is to make as much money as possible. You know, we forget that because they're playing a sport at the end of the day, this is a job. And those guys I just named, when I looked at the numbers, I couldn't believe it. Their combined career earnings is $226,713,965. For their career, D. Miles made a little bit over sixty-one million dollars. Eddie Curry made seventy million. Jonathan Bender made thirty million. Kwame Brown made sixty-three million. And I know it's been stories of D. Miles and Eddie Curry, you know, maybe not having that money anymore and not managing well. Actually, Jonathan Bender has done well in the business world. I want to say the tech world, if I'm not mistaken. So he's done well his money. Haven't heard any stories about Kwame Brown losing any money. But at the end of the day, they made that money, and. That was generational type money and money they would not have made doing anything else. So, in my opinion, you get that kind of bread. You had a successful type, a successful career to a certain degree. You know that's what it's about. It's about getting your bread as well as being the best player that you can be. You know, Sebastian Telfair, even though he's going through his legal trouble right now, he made some money. Um, I already mentioned like Travis Outlaw, Kendrick Perkins. You know, Tyson Chandler still playing. Technically, Kendrick Perkins is still playing. Last time I checked, I don't think he got released from the D-League affiliate of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Canton Charge. But even when you look at the numbers, bottom line, you get 13 NBA titles, five finals MVPs, six league MVPs. Now, I know Kobe has five of the titles. KG has a title. Uh, as far as the league MVPs, Kobe has one. Um, KG has one. Uh, and I also include Moses Malone in this as well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Moses has at least three. You get four defensive player of the years with KG having one. Tyson Chandler actually won three. You have 70 all-star appearances in Cal. And I also have LeBron's uh, MVPs and championships including this as well. But they have 75 total all-star appearances in Cal only because LeBron's going to make several more all-stars until he retires. Um, you currently right now have 12 players still playing in the league. Um, including LeBron, who I've already stated in my other blog that's on the same page, just check it out, that I believe he, you know, you had somebody come out of high school that's going to either be top five or at the least the top ten of all time. You know, in my opinion, I believe LeBron ranks fourth all time behind Magic, Kareem, and Jordan, and Bill Russell rounding out the top five. That's my top five. I have Jordan one, Kareem two, Magic three, LeBron fourth, and Bill Russell fifth. Um, it's just hard to take Bill Russell. I don't care. The man has 11 championships, eight in a row. I don't care what era you play in. That's just super, super impressive. So in my opinion, what really happened was I think 
once GMs realize that maybe they didn't draft the next Kevin Garnett or the next Kobe Bryant, I don't think they put the same type of energy, the same type of energy, the same type of care in developing these players. And a lot of these players kind of fell by the wayside. Whereas nowadays, um, we're much more analytic driven. We have these player development coaches now where their job is to take these young um, one-and-done players and work with them because the, in, the the team is seeing them as a high-level investment. So, you know, you wouldn't have somebody like a Corleone Young that comes in, gets hurt, and then after four games and 15 minutes, we're just going to release them. It just doesn't make sense. They wouldn't do that. And also now, you know, the development, development league, which is now the G League, is much stronger. They have these two-way contracts, so the players make a little bit more money, and they actually have these environments now where they can nurture, grow, and mature not only as players but as men and help grow their game so they have a better shot of making it and sticking it sticking in the NBA. I think a lot of these some of these guys, even like a Leon Smith, you know, who had a mental issue, kind of a breakdown, don't know the, all the details. It was alleged that he was a found in his home at the OD and uh, off of aspirin. You know, he played 14 games and then got out the league. So who's to say if these some of these guys wouldn't have been um, successes if they would have had the type of infrastructure and type of organization, like some of these organizations that have really good systems where these young players can get in, grow, thrive, and become better players. So um, go ahead and check it out. You know, it's on the Off the Glass Podcast.com website. Tell me what you think. Like it, comment, whether you agree, disagree, open for discussion. Uh, this will actually bring this episode of the Off the Glass podcast to a close. Make sure to follow me on Facebook. Make sure to subscribe, 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 download, like, share, all the above. You can find me on iTunes. You can find me on Spreaker. Um, in the next few episodes, um, I'm setting up some interviews here. So um, trying to bring a different perspective besides just hearing my voice all the time. So I'm going to start bringing some people in, some guys I respect. And um, we're going to start chopping it up, um, kind of talk about a little bit about the basketball scene and the history here and the culture here in Chicago, along with, you know, weighing in on whatever's going on in the NBA at that particular time. So this has been your host, Z. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.